Take a big, deep breath. Now slowly let it out. Did you feel that? It was you having a little visit with yourself. How often do we take just a moment to check in with our own selves, our bodies, our minds, the true us that lies deep within? I find that sometimes I get so busy with the distractions of life that I forget that there is this real being of myself that's doing the actual living. So it's nice to just do a little check-in sometimes. There are many ways to connect with yourself. For me, it can be a short meditation, sometimes through reading a poem or a cinematic moment I experience on the screen that moves my soul. And even little quiet morning moments when I can just hear the wings of the bees buzzing all around the tree in my garden. With these little moments of peace, there are also not-so-great events in our lives. Difficult passages of time that confront us, identities that we still may be seeking to make sense of, and the struggle of sitting with uncomfortableness in the unfamiliar. Out there, there are things we know. There are also things we don't know, but we could if we wanted to. But what about the things we're not even aware of not knowing? One of the more fascinating things I've heard in my lifetime is this relatively recent discovery of the eternal bond with twin particles of light. I'm not a scientist, so I'll probably mess this up, but we have found that when you take a pair of photons, and photons being the tiniest bundle of energy, which make up light, and you separate them over a distance, they remain entangled with one another. What does this mean? Well, no matter how far apart you separate these little photons, they will mimic what the other one is doing at the same exact time. This means what I do to one particle will also be done to the other. Even though there's no physical connection between them whatsoever. And no matter how far apart, even across the universe itself. Pretty incredible. It's been called one of the deep mysteries of quantum mechanics. I can't help but thinking that we as human beings are not exempt from this idea of always being entangled with one another. And what we do to one, we do to another. Many of us have felt little glimpses into that great mystery. When the particles that make up you somehow feel that their twin selves are nearby, you've felt it before. Sometimes you meet a stranger and know instantly that you are meant to know one another, as if you were living parallel lives all along. My friend David Ellis can certainly be described in this way. He's just that guy that I know will always be around and is a consistent presence in my world. We met first our freshman year of college, brushing past one another in the hallways of the dormitory, on our way to start this new adventure in our lives. Since then, we've only grown closer together, forging our way through the different phases of life, delving into the curiosities it brings, and especially for Dave, diving headfirst to experience more of it. 
Even though we're now on opposite sides of the country, it seems like our little protons are still entangled, and we're both changing and growing together through this life's little moments, one shift at a time. Though we're far apart, we're also right there, right here. Our friendship has gone through many phases, and probably one of the most important ones was my slow realization and coming to the full truth of myself, that I was a gay man. Dave was a crucial part of that process, and you'll hear us talk a little bit about what that was like. I, for one, had never really heard him express that experience, so it was kind of a treat for me. This conversation is a trip, and I mean that in all the senses of that word. From our times of growing and learning together, to self-discovery, and to the present-day version of ourselves, we even talk about some recreational drug use, so fair warning. We went a little longer than normal on this episode, but I promise you it's all worth the listen. So get comfortable in your little place in the universe and join us just in conversation with my good friend, Dave. Oh, and if you enjoy listening to these conversations, I'd really appreciate you rating and writing a little review. It helps others find the show and who knows, maybe inspires better conversation. You can find more at justinconversation.com and thank you for listening. Hey, hey. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Thank that was it, dude. I just had to restart. Hey, dude, when in doubt, that's the first thing you should always do, right? And speaking of that, you've kind of had your own little recent something go on with you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I don't know what it was. I guess maybe maybe through some of the pandemic thing, um, maybe through that whole last year's election cycle and just kind of overall division of, seemingly division of the country yeah. and just different changes going on in life. I got to a place where um, I guess I wasn't really like comfortable in my own skin. I noticed myself sort of kind of creeping back into like a cynical mindset about the world. I'd get on social media or Facebook and I noticed myself being a little more like, I don't know, judgmental maybe, or um, I guess just letting that kind of thing affect my own mental headspace a little bit. And then physically, like I gained some weight. It probably was way in the most I ever had. And whenever I'd go surfing, I just wasn't quite as um, agile as I used to be. Yeah. And weighed the most I ever had. I noticed that like my eating, eating habits were getting a little out of control. Just portion control was bad off. And just drinking a lot more beer. Just, you know. And I seemed to have a shorter fuse and just kind of a more negative attitude. And just in doing some self-reflection, I was like, man, I don't really like where I'm at in my own head. Yeah. Um, you didn't like your headspace. I didn't like my headspace, you know, and I was like, I'm just in a funk and I couldn't seem to quite get out of it. And, um, just kind of had, I don't know what it was. It wasn't nothing that just put me over the edge, but I was like, I'm just going to do something radical and just change things up. Just a drastic change. Yeah. And so my thought was like, well, I've been 
basically it was like a dopamine fast. So anything that would kind of give me a dopamine rush, whether it be food or uh, social media, you know, interacting with people, getting likes or um, having beer or, uh, you know, whatever it is, drugs or sex or anything. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to cut anything out that could have like a chemical dopamine response that I'm used to. Wow. So I was like, I'm just going to cut it all out. So I deleted all social media from my phone, deleted the news app off my phone. Mm. And I said, all right, I'm going to try 21 days, no coffee, no alcohol, no food, no masturbating, uh, no social media, um, anything. And so for 21 days, it just, it was just me in my own head, no drugs whatsoever of any kind of recreational or, you know, prescribed, um, just drinking water, just drinking water. And I got into this thing. Um, have you heard of Wim Hof? No. So, um, there's a guy named Wim Hof. I think he's from the Netherlands. Um, and he has this uh, breathing method. It's called the Wim Hof method. And his whole thing is about using the breath and using cold exposure for health. Mm. And it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. Like on day five of this fast, it was like the, it was kind of pretty bad. The first five days are kind sure. of torture almost. I, I would imagine. So like halfway through day five, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And, Somehow Wim Hof came across my radar again, and um, I just sat down and I and I did a, a round of breathing, did three rounds of it, and by the end of it, uh, the headache I had was gone, and I felt great, and I felt motivated. My hunger was disappeared, and it's like it put me over the hump mm. of uh, of this whole thing. So um, I decided to incorporate it into part of my daily routine. And then the other thing is cold exposure. So um started out with like 30 seconds in a cold shower. Oh boy, so, yeah. And there's uh something about there's uh, like an acute physiological stress response that um is supposed to be beneficial physiologically. Um it's like so much of our lives and our culture is built around seeking comfort and we get in such a habit pattern of trying to make sure we're comfortable you know like staying away from the cold and being warm in our beds having a full belly yeah um feeling like uh you know you're, you're accepted by friends and your peers uh social acceptance um we always want to feel good, and so we're always chasing comfort and pleasure. But we never, um, we never really embrace our discomfort. Mm. And I think a lot of growing happens when we're uncomfortable. You yeah, know? yeah. Like growing pains when you're a kid. To remember those things. Like there's something about pain and discomfort equate to growth in the future. Um. And so it's pretty maybe outside of our cultural norm to deny those kind of things that we usually seek. 
So that was kind of sort of my experiment for myself to put myself through a temporary discomfort to hopefully come out on the other side a little bit better. And I have to say, I feel great. Yeah. Well, you look great. I mean, you feel like Thanks, I, man. I can see that you're, yeah. But I, I have to say, this is not extremely new for you. I mean, uh, yeah, no. I mean, I remember a few times where you did something similar. Um, yeah. You know, where you just kind of, you have these, as, as long as I've been your friend, you have these kind of moments. And I think in college you had like more of them. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like, <laughs> like I've just got to do something off the wall. Yeah, like once every semester there was some yeah, big, challenge. Uh, you know, alluring revelation that you had come to. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you've always kind of been this uh, self-maintenance interested guy. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there always seems to be some sort of event that triggers like, okay, I, I got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I never like feeling like something's got me by the balls, you know? Right. And anytime I start to feel that way, it's like, all right, no, I'm going to make a drastic change or something. Um, That's funny because I I totally deal with it in the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, and I was, I was actually talking to my therapist about this uh, this morning. And I've also noticed that in every episode I've, of this podcast, I always say that once. I was talking to my therapist about that this morning, <laughs> um, which is good, I guess. Uh, yeah. But she's sort of, I mean, the more she's gotten to know me, she's gotten very much more comfortable in calling me out on shit. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah. you know, like today I said something and she goes, Justin, now why would you say that, you know? <laughs> so... um because you're starting to get know my psychological habits and you know but you know right. so if i'm bothered by something i i don't want to change it i will agonize over why it's happening yeah you'll ruminate the hell out of it yeah i'll sit there and you know re read a book about why i'm feeling it do a research about it then watch a movie about why i'm feeling it then i'll extra analyze it play a song yeah. about it you know um and yeah just today she was telling me she's like okay stop so justin We've talked about this before. Like, th thoughts are just thoughts. Yeah. And you don't have to think. You don't have to have them. You don't yeah. have to think them. And that actually has been a revelation for me. Yeah. Um, that especially for me because it's it's come, it's come become clear that I'm a thinker in a bad way sometimes. Hmm. Um, where I just I think and think and think and think and think and think think. You know. There isn't really a secret. There is not really one thing. There's no. just the journey. Yeah. And e each of us find these little things that are helpful along the way. And uh, I think that's what it's about. Like maybe just sharing those things of, of that you've come across during your journey that are helpful for you that maybe others can take away, whether it be, you know, meditation or exercise or taking up a certain sport or hobby or artwork or creativity or fasting or right. psychedelic drugs, you know, yeah. like all of these things can be tools that are useful for people at different spots along the journey. Um, that's kind of one thing I've been finding over the last few years and I'm grateful for. You're also a, uh, You've also always been a seeker, though. Like you're, 
That's true. Or a tester. You kind of test out your, you test out the abilities of your body and your life. Like you kind of push it. Like, what is this? What, what, well, can I do with this life? Like you test it out. I'm more of like, I like to experience things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, let's, let's try it. Let's see what happens. I'll I'll try anything once. Let's see what happens if I don't do anything for 21 days. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I would never, well, I shouldn't say never, but I would, really have a hard time doing that because I was like, okay, what happens if I do that? This might happen. This might happen. Right. So then I probably well, shouldn't that's, do it. That's the other thing I would like to say too about all of this is that I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a scientist. Oh, yeah. This is all just anecdotal from myself and probably most physicians would discourage anybody. Oh, yeah, of course. In doing this thing. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's, this is about my fifth time doing any kind of a fast. And I know what my body is yeah. can handle or is capable of, but it's not it's not for every single person. And I would say um, definitely do your research on this stuff. So I, I wouldn't encourage just anybody to go out and just drink water only for 21 days. Yeah, but people can would, do their own things. They can say, okay, I'm right. not going to do this for 21 days. Yeah. Or, just, yeah. Yeah. No social media or turn off your phone for mm-hmm. certain hours a day. Or one thing I will say though, dude, for real, I, I would encourage everybody to look into the Wim Hof method. So explain to me, can you like make a short explanation of what a breath is? What would you take me through right now if you were to do it? All right. So what you do is a one round of it. It's very simple. Yeah. You do 30 to 40 breaths. Oh, here goes my. Wow, your breath uh, is so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so you do uh, fully in and then let it go. Fully in. Okay. And you do that for 30 rounds. Do 30 repetitions of that breath. And that at that, and on the la- at that pace. At that pace. Okay. Like, and then on the last one, exhale, and you just hold your breath. And you hold for a minute or two, whenever your body tells you, like, all right, it's time to breathe. Oh, okay. And then you do one large inhale, hold it for 15 seconds. Okay. And at the end of that 15 seconds, you release, and you do another round of 30. Same thing. Okay. At the end of that, you do another round of 30. And what happens is when you're doing that, you're oxygenating your blood. Yeah. You're getting extra oxygen to your uh, muscles, all your cellular tissue, and you're exhaling carbon dioxide. So you're oxygenating your blood, you're getting rid of your carbon dioxide, and your pH level of your blood actually rises, which means it's becoming more alkaline. And... Um, yeah, something something about doing that. It it's oh. like gets you high. It's like a natural oh, high. Oh sure, yeah. I've heard of something similar to that before. Or maybe it was the same thing. But even when I do these short breathing exercises in meditation, it does the same thing. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, before I go to bed, there's like this wind down thing they take yeah. you through, and you hold it in, hold it for four seconds, and you know, it's three or yeah. four rounds of that. That in itself can it. What it does for me is it completely resets your mindset. Right. 
And it's amazing how just even anytime during the day, you can do something as simple as just taking five minutes yeah. to stop, yeah. sit, yeah. and just focus on your breathing yeah. for five minutes. Yeah. And it's like an instant refresher. Yeah, it, I've heard it talked about as um, reconnecting to yourself. Mm. Because most of the time, during 90% of the day, we're not connected to ourselves. We're just existing. We're and pulled everywhere. Yeah, we're interacting with our environment around us. And we, we're not really in tune with the us of ourselves. Yeah. So right. it, only, it doesn't take long. Like you said, five minutes and you can like, oh, there's there's me. Right. And then yeah. and then everything's fine. You're like, oh, I'm here. I'm fine. Now I can go well with my day. So I'm learning yeah. that for sure over you know, over the past year yeah, I've been me too. experimenting with that. But it's still uh it's easy to forget that that's there. Yeah. Um and when you're not doing it, it's also easy to undervalue it. It's like, "Oh, I don't need that right now. I need this. Right. I need that." Yeah. Um, I don't have the, I don't have the time to sit still for 5 minutes. Right. Yeah. And also that's not what I need. I want this. Or right. you know. Well, now that all that's going to be edited out. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, uh I'd like to maybe so talking about like spirituality and and maybe mindfulness maybe is what we're talking about and yeah. um internal change and I, i'm curious because you are uh you're a pk you're a preacher's kid i am and yeah. um i'm always curious about how you feel i mean i think i think kids of preachers go one way or the other mm-hmm. usually right they're kind of either they completely rebel and they yeah. have that they have that life path or they or they or they follow in their footsteps and do exactly what their parents did yeah or there's a little bit of kind of both and i think you're maybe yeah. in the both and category you know so what was it like growing up in that environment with uh and and maybe explain what your your parents did or what was that like yes yeah, so my dad was either a minister of music or associate pastor of a Baptist church growing up my whole entire life for like the first 21, 18 to 21 years of my life. My father was employed by the church. And so I was in church um, three days a week or more, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, we would do. Bible studies sometimes on Monday nights, going up in youth camps and youth group, and even during the summers doing vacation Bible schools, and then like outreach stuff on Tuesday nights where we would literally go knocking door to door uh, to people and and like you know talking about Jesus and asking people weird questions about the eternal life and mm-hmm. all kinds of heavy stuff when people just trying to have a Tuesday night. But that was <laughs> the norm for me, man. Like yeah. growing up, it was just, you know, it, it was, it was the bubble I grew up in. Um, and you know, my father would, would hate to tell you or would, would hate for that to be like, say that I grew up in a, in a religious household. Um, he would prefer to say that like, we grew up in a spiritual household, but it's kind of, it's hard to separate those two thinking about uh, 
the Baptist denomination in America, especially in the Southern American states, without it being a bubble of culture. And I didn't realize how much of a bubble I had grown up in until basically after college. Mm-hmm. And, and it even took some time after that for me to really like have a hard look at it. Um, to live outside the I'm, bubble for a while, for a while. Yeah. I'm grateful for my upbringing. Like I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back and change it yeah. at all. You know, I have a very, very loving family. I have great parents. Yeah, like, you do. They raise, they raise me well. And they're still like, my parents are my friends. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's something I'm grateful for is that although my worldview or my thoughts about uh, faith or spirituality and religion may be on paper different from my parents now, it doesn't it doesn't keep us from having like open honest and real conversations which i didn't at at one point i didn't think was possible mm. you know because i realized that i was like going out on my own and wanting to experience the world uh outside of a different set of eyes than i was taught um so I don't know. I I didn't realize that I had had such a abnormal upbringing until later on in life. Well, it was normal for you. But it was, yeah, it was normal for me, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh and and I was I was indoctrinated, mm-hmm. you know. I was taught these things and it, like Do you feel um, like your parents were also indoctrinated or do you feel, I mean do you feel, because I feel that way, I think, a little bit about my parents. I don't feel like that was this original thought. I feel like it's kind of like this domino effect. Maybe with your parents, it's a little bit more self-guided. But Yeah. My dad was pretty self-guided in it, I do believe. Yeah. Uh, although, although, like, my grandfather, my dad's father, was was a preacher at one time. Mm-hmm. Um and my dad sort of followed my grandfather's footsteps in that, but my dad's older brother did not. Okay. Like my my uncle Chuck, he was he was the hippie, you know, like mm. he he was the one that like in the sixties and seventies was like, Well, I'm gonna go this way. And then my dad saw, you know, where my where his brother went, and he was like, Well, I'm gonna learn from my, my brother's mistakes or whatever. And so um, and you got a little yeah, bit of a my, hippie in you. <laughs> I definitely do. Like I have my uncle Chuck in me, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look at your background. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Right. Uh, for sure. I'm grateful for that, man. I mm-hmm. love it. Um, yeah. but then again, like my parents, my parents gave me rope and leeway to, to be that a little mm-hmm. bit. I can see know? that. I always remember a, uh, I remember you, maybe you remember this, but uh, often during our college days, you so you and I were, I don't think we've even said this, so you and I were uh, roommates in college. Yeah, yes we um, were, four years. And I think the very, very first year of college, 
we were sweet mates. We weren't even sweet mates. Yeah. So we were the first semester. The first semester. Yeah. So we we met each other in the hallway. I think. Um, yeah. I think I think my earliest memory of you is watching you go down the hall, and you had some rolled carpet that you were carrying or something. And yeah. You, and you had this floppy blonde surfer hair. <laughs> yeah. And you would you just you just thought like, uh your job was to like tell everybody hey what's up man as you're carrying this carpet across to your dorm room <laughs> i was uh, trying to make friends with everybody yeah, every moment yeah um and so of course that's like uh you want to be friends with that guy and what yeah. was it yesterday i um oh i was listening to this this is a small tangent i was listening to this app about dating in 2021 or 2020 Interesting. And yeah. how most people in the, these days are just waiting, like they're doing nothing. They're just waiting for some spark to happen. Yeah. And the lady said, this is another kind of revelation to me. She's like, listen, the spark, it's not a thing. Like there is no, like you have to actually go and do the, it's work. You have to go and work to yeah. get attention from somebody. She's <laughs> like, make an effort. Yeah. That spark that you feel, you're just, some people are just sparky and everybody yeah. feels that from them. You know, like everybody has the same story about that person just because they're a sparky person and they're intriguing or charming or whatever. That there's a yeah. sparky person and you feel something because there's some quality you like about them. Um, anyway, so that being said, I think you're a sparky person. And, um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, but, uh, but that is also your goal. Your goal has always been to like make as many friends as you possibly can and yeah. like, increase your That's true. circle. Where mine has has kind of been not that it's um right I want to find like two or three sparks Small core group yeah yeah I want to find my sparks yeah and and hold them tight and that and put them they're in a jar mine. yeah <laughs> which I succeeded <laughs> no I think a little bit have you. yeah I think right. I succeeded a little bit in that um for sure uh, in college well, you've had a lot of you've had a lot of like close deep relationships through the years too though. Well, yeah, and I I sought that out. I mean, that was number one mission. That's yeah. what I needed. And you know, there's some something to be said about that with my <laughs> Al-Anon stuff and my parents and all that. Yeah, kind of beginning to mm-hmm. see qualities of. Um, but uh, I'm often shamed for that quality. Um, you know, m- from I mean, others. From the people that usually that I'm trying to get in the jar, uh, oh yeah, because right. it's it's uh, often for, especially from new newish people that I try to bring into that circle, they're just like, man, you were just so. Um, I, I've had a guy tell me once, and it was just a friendship, but he said, uh, "You were so um, intense. Mm. Like everything with you ha- is so. Uh, he's like, it's not bad, but you're just wow. You're just really." You want to really uh, be close to me, yeah. And he's like, and I don't, um, and that, I'm not uncomfortable with that. But nobody ever really wants that, yeah. So, anyway, that's an aside. But um, that's interesting because so because of because I'm not the the person trying to get everybody to be friends with me. <laughs> The room. Right. There was a conversation. You want the the one person you clue in on the like. Yeah. That's, and that's then the one you want. Yeah, or two to. or three, or you know. Um. So and you know, and my therapist, I brought that up with my therapist recently, and she's like, "Okay, so what? That's part of yeah who you are. You it need is to, part you, of who you are. You need are. just accept that and be okay with that. 
And that's the first yeah. time that I've heard that, heard that from somebody. Ah. So anyway, that's a new thing. But so there was a time, what I was going to say was, so we were roommates in college and often I would go home with you to your, yeah. to your town in Greenville uh, and see, you know, see what it's like, like to live there. And um, we'd spend the night there and all, you know, right. All kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember one time I was definitely experiencing something similar with you when I was trying to make you like my number one friend Mm -hmm. and uh you were doing something in the other room and i was in the kitchen with your dad i think you remember this yeah i think yeah yeah and you know where you're going and your your dad i guess your dad was clued into what was going on sure and so he said uh and he called me fuzz for everybody that doesn't know this that's fuzz is my (laughs) nickname you can tell that story in a second but um yeah uh He's like, well, Fuzz, he's like, I think we made some coffee or something. And he's like, uh, well, you know, um, Dave just, he just wants to be friends with everybody in the room. Like, you know, everybody in the, his, his circle of sight, he wants to be friends with. Um, but he doesn't necessarily want a relationship with them. Yeah. And uh, he said, you, if you could you would have a relationship, a deep relationship with that doorknob <laughs> on, that, uh, on that door. He saw you, man. Yeah, and he, I laughed and he laughed because it was, it was fucking it was true. true. <laughs> He's like, if you could find a way to connect and have a deep relationship with that doorknob, you would. <laughs> and I was like, yes, uh, that's true. That's beautiful, man. He's like, but that's the gift of my father, though, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, my father has that gift to see people and and he meets them where they are right and 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 he's he's very observant and wise in that way but he's not saying that you're wrong for that and there is nothing wrong for you for for being that way but But he was just pointing out the difference yeah and i think he was trying to tell me um you know dave doesn't operate that way so don't get upset if he yeah. doesn't do it, you know, just know that he's not that way. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. That was the end of the conversation. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so great. Right. But, but he has know. this ability to say things like that mm. in a way that, that's, that's really forward, but it's not offensive. It's helpful. Wasn't he a counselor or is he still he one? He is. He is a counselor. Yeah. And that's what he does. Full Like, that's his job. Well, he's really he's good so- at that. He's so yeah. good at it, man. And and that's where I'm fortunate to have a father mm. that is my mentor and my therapist, you know? Yeah. Like if I didn't, my father is my therapist. If I didn't have my father, I would, I would need a therapist. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine a better one, man. Sure. So, well, I think you're, yeah. you're fortunate to have that. Really? I know I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm privileged in a, in a whole lot of ways. Uh, that was something that I didn't really understand i don't know that i even do now Mm. realize my own privileges you know well a lot of us don't i still it's a hard thing yeah that i'm going that i'm realizing that i have to deal with you know have you seen did you ever see rebel without a cause with james dean a long time ago i remember i remember there being a big poster that ryan had of james dean and hung on like the bathroom door didn't it oh did he yeah. Oh, well, that explains a lot. 
<laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, for me too. Um, yeah. Well, I just, I did something this past, I think it was early on when we were shutting down and yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch all the James Dean movies. And yeah. uh, me being ignorant, I didn't know there was just only three of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. So in a, it took then, you three days, three nights. Yeah. And then I kind of did, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of like, now I'm going to read every article about him and then, the, you know, then his death and then why everybody likes him and then his acting, st- you know, the whole thing. Um, if is he bisexual? Blah blah blah. But after watching him in, uh, I think a, I think first I watched um, what is the is it East of Eden? Yeah, um, so it's Rebel Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden, and Giant. Giant, right? Okay, so I wanted to watch them in order. So I watched East of Eden first. Yeah, and it's about. You should watch them. They're extreme. They're so good. Yeah. And so when I watched East of Eden, I was like at the end of it, I was just like I did I was it was one of those movie experiences where I just sat there in silence afterwards for like an hour. Yeah. At the let the credits roll and I was like holy. F-. Yeah. You know. Um we were, we only got to see the very like tip of the iceberg with this guy. Like yeah. he was this special dude. Of course, he was extremely good looking and all that, but the way that he just embodied what he was there was something going on magical with him. A deep talent. Yeah. yeah. You can tell. Um anyway, so that that one's more about like a brother rivalry with his father. He wanted to feel affection from his father and he didn't get it. Um mm. and then Rebel Without a Cause was next and then Giant. So when I watched Rebel Without a Cause, the reason I'm bringing this up, it's you know, it's about these you know, these high school kids and just about um groups and getting people to like you and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. There's a scene. I thought about you because, um, there's so the cast of characters is James James Dean and then Natalie Wood. Have to, yeah. Right, and then Salmoneo. So there's like the there's like a little trio thing happening. So they all go to the same school, and you know they eventually end up together, and they they go explore this like abandoned house, like this abandoned mansion up on the hill. It's ex- it's also these films are also really interesting to me now living in Los Angeles because they were filmed here, so mm-hmm. I know now I know like oh I know where that is I know where that is they're at the observatory or I know where that street is, um, so they're at this house and they're just kind of having like this adventure together and you know like sneaking into an abandoned house and like let's see what's going on that kind of thing, um and there's a scene where. James Dean's character and Natalie Wood's character are clearly liking each other. Mm-hmm. And so there's just, they're just hanging out in the house. I have to explore it for a while. And at some point they lay it lay on the, on the ground and James Dean kind of puts his lap in Natalie Wood's, uh, uh, sorry, he puts his head in Natalie Wood's head lap. In her lap. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, you know, he's playing with his hair. And then, and then Sal Mineo's character is like this younger Latino looking dude. Um, and it's, from from my point of view, it's clear to me that he totally has a crush on James Dean. Uh, like from yeah. the moment he entered the room, he was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" Right? Uh huh. Um, and so they, the three of them, end up together, and then you know him and James Dean kind of like tossle around together and kind of play wrestle, and uh, there's a lot of touching and 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 like boy affection kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. So when the three of them are in this house and they're kind of 
um, hanging out in the dark, they start talking about these very serious things. And Sal, Sal's, I forgot what his actual character's name is, but the actor Sal's character reveals some things about he didn't have a great home life and he's abandoned by his parents and he didn't feel loved and he feels like he just wants a family again and basically saying those things. So James Dean's character is kind of concerned for him. He's like, really? Tell me about that, you know? So at that moment in this scene, the, the two of them are kind of becoming his makeshift parents for a second. Uh, and they have this like family yeah. moment um, and they kind of, he kind of passes out and falls asleep because he feels safe and they cover him up with a blanket and then they go off yeah. and find some abandoned room and they're going to go make out or whatever. All right. So Sal wakes up and they've left him and he feels completely betrayed. Mm, yeah. And then on top of that, there's like the bullies of the school found out where they are and they're going to try to, you know, stab them and stuff um so now they're in real danger but yeah sal's character felt completely um abandoned by these by these newfound friends that he just made within 15 minutes (laughs) right um i was like crying because that's that's you that was totally me (laughs) oh man and um i was like why have I never seen this movie? And I was like, oh, I get it now. That's why people love this movie. Yeah. Because uh, you're you're one of these people in this scenario. Sure. And absolutely. Um, I've never Maybe we've all we've all been all of them too. Sure, some, yeah. In some fashion. And um there's some parental things going on there too. I mean, there's it's really great to a uh, great movie to watch. But I had never seen that scenario pro- portrayed in a way that I could identify with like, that's it. That's what I felt. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, it's amazing, especially with, with your friendship and the girlfriend you've had. And I mean, I think that's pretty apparent. (laughs) You've always been, you've always been pretty close relationally with, between me and girlfriends that I've had. Yeah. And at least three of them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So especially with you, that's, that was the case. Um, but not just you. I mean, in other cases, it's always Ryan, Travis. Yeah, but even even friendships over here in California. Uh, yeah, it's ended up James. that way. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, You're constantly playing that role, man. I am. So when I saw it being portrayed <laughs> on a movie, I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, you know, I was like, "That's you know." So so there's so now there's all these like articles and readings about this characterization of this kid. And yeah. and they're almost all basically saying that this was a little closeted gay kid that looked up to wow. James Dean and perhaps um, perhaps wanted him or perhaps had affection for him. We don't know, right? They're just kind of playing with this idea. But sure. Um, and I'm in the, and then there's an ending to it that I won't tell you, but you should watch it. Yeah. Um, well, what an amazing what an amazing piece of art mm. for 1955. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. I mean, there's. There's so many videos and stories about how Rebel Without a Cause was this extremely ahead of its time study, Way, yeah, uh, on study on bisexuality actually, or yeah. or whatever, or or just modern thinking or something. You could even, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that. I mean, it could just any sort of relationship. That's what's beautiful about a really great piece of artwork is it's not. It's timeless. It, 
it gets timeless. It covers a lot of bases. Multitudes of people can identify with the singularity of the, you know, film or performance yeah. or the, the, the position of that somebody is in, and the and the fact that it can do that for somebody, no matter their their gender or their sexual persuasion, in such a profound way. It's pretty awesome. And but that's with all of his movies, I'm telling you. They're all that. When good. I when I was sat there and watched yeah. them all, every single one was that way. Um That's cool. Yeah, anyway. So when you have some time, you should do a you should binge watch a James Dean night or a week. Yeah. It's that really sounds like a blast. It's so good. It's such a good thing to do. And then, you know, and you're like, wow. And then you also feel this reconnect and like maybe I'm not that different from people in nineteen fifty five. Sure. Right. Then yeah. that goes further to all of humanity, and then you know people, and, and then your parents or grandparents, and you know right. that's that's them. Um. So talking about those examples, I'm actually curious to just kind of ask you, and maybe it's not you know that great of a <laughs> question, but I am curious, yeah. what is it like for you if you had to explain or talk about? I am curious, what's it like for you to have a gay friend. Hmm. Um, I know for been, many people it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, but I think it is interesting to maybe talk about because I've never heard about it in a third person kind of explanation point of view of. Um, because I mean I don't know maybe I, you have a few now I I suppose yeah but I have a, I have a lot of gay friends. Um, and we were friends before you ever came out as gay right so you yeah know. let's talk about that too so what i would say is you and i did a lot of growing up together mm. with this and right. you and i having grown up we both grew up in a you know an environment that um you know homosexuality was a thing that like we didn't discuss you know mm -hmm. like it was it was a rare thing that was outside of the norm that was like, you know, something that we don't, that we, we look down upon, but isn't talked about either. And what I would say, so add to that is what was being explained to me as what homosexuality was. I was like, well, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not right. That. But I do yeah. have these other things happening, but what's that? Right. Yeah. Yeah, where you're actually dealing with some like real emotion. Yeah. You know, that, uh, yeah, we were being explained homosexuality by people that didn't have a freaking clue. Mm -hmm. You know, so growing up with, or, or like coming of later age uh, alongside of you, um, you realizing your own homosexuality and me as your friend actually realizing it along this with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going through my own growing and understanding process of all of this as you were. Yeah. So I'm grateful for it because it gave me this, a real life understanding of what it is, mm. you know, and, and that everything that I had been, you know, maybe taught to think that homosexuality was, 
it just was was not that it was misinformation and well here was a, a best... here was a person right in front of you right experience here's it. my best here's my best friend mm. you know that i that i live with that i experience life with who is going through this whole thing and trying to figure it out and I know without a shadow of a doubt if he could choose one way to be or not, what it would be. So it was a, mm -hmm. and is a completely eye-opening experience for me. Um, and having a, a best friend that I th thought was straight and realized the whole time, well, like, well, duh, it was kind of like obvious. <laughs> I just refused to see it. Yeah. You know, um, it was like taking the blinders off, you know, it was, yeah. it was like um, crawling outside of the bubble and, and like seeing things for real. Um, this was growing up. I, I feel like I've learned so much from you and Josh Gregg mm -hmm. about all of this just because I've lived with you guys. You know, right? Yeah, you were right um, there, and I've and I've gone through all of the weird searching, trying to figure out what it was, what you guys were even trying to figure out what this all was and what it meant. Uh, as as young men growing up, coming to terms with your own homosexuality, on and me a, as your friend. On a Baptist university campus. <laughs> the Southern Baptist yeah. Christian College. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, yeah. I, I'll say I was very fortunate to have Josh there too, who was also going through that with me too, that experience. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But also what we just talked about with you being this guy that wanted to be everybody's friend and all that stuff, I knew that you would be a safe choice, I think to talk yeah. about that with. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that you were the first person I told. Uh, I mean, I think you remember the night it happened. Yeah, I actually told you. Oh, that's right. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you told me. That's right. I, I told I, I you. I couldn't even say it. You couldn't say it. You yeah. were trying to say and I was like, do you think you might be, uh -huh. you might think you're gay? Yeah. Yeah. I needed, I needed you to say it for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I remember right. that night. That's right. I came home with X's on my hands. From the <laughs> and night. mascara on. Yeah, still. from the nightclub. But again, yeah. your your re initial reaction to that was like, uh, Fuzz, what you wearing? That's cool. What happened? Where'd you go? What's going on? <laughs> right. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, I was just interested, honestly. Yeah. Like there was no there was no judgment. Yeah. But I was like, it was all so like different you know and yeah. new mm -hmm. but i was curious yeah and as your friend i wanted to i i don't know i wanted to travel that with you right experience it with you yeah um and support you man yeah. honestly well thank you for that yeah all these years later it's if i, I hope look... you felt supported oh yeah i mean if i look back on it all these years later i I don't know what it would be like if that didn't occur. Um, everybody has their own story, right? Um, 
I was, yeah. I, I find myself very fortunate just to even have the friendships I had at that point in my life. Yeah. Maybe we all did, maybe. Um, yeah. But that was, we were a pretty close group. Yeah. We were pretty close I, group. I think many people were envious of our uh, group of friends yeah. that we had, you know. But I, I think I saw that. I mean, just talking about my need to have these really close friendships. That was yeah. a, that was a gold star on my jacket. That these yeah, man. You know, these friends that I had. It was our own little version of like Dead Poet Society in a yeah. way. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we had an all-star cast. We had Home, homies in the corner of the dorm. We yeah. had the dean of students' son. We had yep. uh, you know, this this surfer bro, uh, preacher's kid. We had mm-hmm. the uh, really talented musician that had a twin down the street. Um, whose father was involved with the Southern Baptist Convention? Yeah, it was like yeah, it was all and and we were all uh, to quote Kristen Parker, you guys are all super hot. <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, that that was part of it too. Like we were just it. We were we were it, and those, yeah, I felt we were like the shit back then. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was fun, man. It was super fun. And and, 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 and to, being a closeted gay person in that group, it was yeah. really frightening to risk losing that. Yeah. Yeah. You that was a big risk for you. You really threw it out there. Mm-hmm. Well, it we you didn't throw it out there. You it just Well, you threw it out there. <laughs> you, well, I did, but you yeah. It was obvious that you were wrestling for a while. Sure. With it all. Yeah. And I mean, as as hard as you tried to be straight, dude, it just was. Well, I was coming out. What I I like to say is I was coming out to myself at that point. You were. You were. And people sometimes people forget that part of the process. Yeah. Is that you also you have to come out to yourself first and that can take yeah. A long time. Well, and and you dated some very beautiful women. Yeah. You know? I had that part of it too. Very Yeah, cuz yeah. you're an attractive guy and and girls wanted to like be your girlfriend. Yeah. But it was it was too funny when and I remember even taking up for you a couple of times mm-hmm. when like <laughs> you you were saying your girlfriends were complaining that you weren't like into them enough. I was like, "Well, that's her fault." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, that's another story too. Um, oh yeah. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> I don't know if those are podcast worthy. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about your love of travel and now my love of travel. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Because I don't, th- I don't think I think I was a late bloomer in that regard, I and mean, you did it a, ho- a whole lot more than I did mm. before mm-hmm. I started to do that. But let's see. Let uh, maybe you can remind me. I know you went. Where did you go with Ryan? You went, we went to Indonesia. Okay, right. Okay, that's what I thought. And that's where he ended yeah. up living later, right? Well, he and Kristen ended up living in Nepal. Oh, Nepal. Okay. Yeah. Not Indonesia. Which is much colder than Indonesia. Okay. But, I don't know why I got those confused. Well, it's over on that other side. Yeah. Of the world. <laughs> One of those squiggly uh, countries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So you went. Yeah. The, I, I distinctly remember that trip that you took with Ryan and the pictures that came back from that experience. And I remember yeah. you feeling so changed and just like wild. And you did some like yeah. 
pretty, but you also did some pretty wild things like in nature and did some like, maybe risky stuff. Yeah, we did. We did some climbing through some waterfalls. We climbed through the jungle. We went out to uh, an island that basically just had a hut on it, mm. and they it was an ecotourism trip. And they were just basically they were harvesting and and uh, growing and hatching and taking care of uh, loggerhead sea turtle eggs in that area, mm. and basically like trying to help maintain the sea turtle population by um protecting the eggs from poachers getting them into a fence letting them hatch and letting them grow to a bigger size before releasing them into the wild because something some crazy statistic like one out of every 50 of those turtles when they hatch survive and then poachers made it even worse because it was a delicacy and mm. um yeah, and it was somebody's full-time job. Two guys, they just lived out there on that island that was probably a, about a 30 to 45-minute boat ride from the mainland to just make sure that the little turtle eggs hatched and they got big enough to be let out and survive on their own. And we got stuck out there because a monsoon came up. That's what it stay. was, yes, right. Yeah, we had to stay a whole extra day and night. Um and we didn't have food because they couldn't bring the the boats out, so we ended up like having to catch like uh, these little tropical fish off the coral and cook them and eat them. And yeah, it was, it was only one night. Then where else did you go? You went to China one time. I remember that. Yeah. Well, even before that, I went to Portugal. Okay. Right. Um, Portugal. One of the summers between in college, I went to Nicaragua once. Two, mm -hmm. so it was like Indonesia, Nicaragua, Portugal, and then after college, China. And what were these? Um, what were these trips mainly about? What was the purpose of? Them? I think the 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 like on the surface guys or purpose were they were like mission trips, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Um, so they always were somewhat kind of supported by either the church or. That was your um, ticket. Yeah, that was the ticket, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but like through that, I was exposed to to like a so much more of the world and perspective on how people live in different parts of the world that um, was really eye opening. Yeah, you know, and it and educating. Um, and that has continued throughout my life in the things that I look for that I find um, like give meaning is perspective. And travel is one thing that does that in, in such a such an obvious way because you're physically forced to have a new perspective um, in all of your senses, you know, it, and you're thrust into a, a world where people live completely differently than you do. They're brought up with a different mindset than you are. They have access to different things than you do, uh, not access to stuff that you do. Um, and it's, it's just, uh, to me, there's nothing that can teach you quite like travel can. Oh, yeah. 
I agree. It's the best. It's the best teacher. Um, but you also and, were, at least for a while, every trip you took, I remember you coming back changed in some way, which does that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Right. You're still kind of. Uh, I always find when I travel, coming back to the U.S. is like the worst part of it, <laughs> because right, it's, it's it's like culture it's shock. Like a, it is a reverse culture shock. Yeah, in okay. a way. Yes, Be- because you you all of a sudden are forced to acclimatize to this new way of living, and and because it's fresh and it's new and it's something different for you, you like, you, I eat it up. Oh yeah. Like, oh man, like oh the, they eat food this way. This is a different way of food. Oh, they think about the world differently or they shake hands differently or they interact socially in a in a different way or this different part of their culture is very important for a certain reason or how they treat their guests or this the different way that the rest of the world is even perceived from their perspective and how like a Westerner or an American is perceived. Like I I had this really unique experience of being on a train in the middle of China, surrounded by people that I couldn't really talk to other than like a handful of people that came up to me to talk to me because they, they saw I was an American and they wanted to practice their English. Oh yeah. And we got into a discussion about like uh, politics or America, and um, it was it was really eye opening to me to be like in the most off the wall random place in a train, going through the middle of China, talking about the country that I come from. Yeah, and I'm there in their country, mm. curious about theirs, but they want to talk to me about mine, and that was like, but they didn't have quite the means to be able to come to my country to find out about it. But there I was in their country, mm. and they're curious to ask me about what it's like for for me. And that is the interesting thing about being in a big city is you do have Chinatown, Koreatown, Little yeah. Ethiopia, you know, whatever. And you do have cultural awareness, at least. Intermingling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a, the Hasidic Jew district, I mean, you can physically see them in their dress, right? Their traditional dress. Yeah. So there, are, there is that, and that kind of cultural education in a big city like that. But in general, you're not having people here saying, oh my gosh, tell me all about your culture and your language. What, what right. is this like? It's like no, yeah. you're in America. You need to be like drinking Budweiser and and launching right. fireworks, be like bro. us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just. Well, what is it about us that has had this this thing that it's it's almost like there's a mission mindset to um, indoctrinate Western culture to the rest of the world. Well, that's because like, that's all we've done. That's our history. We indoctrinate everybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's weird. But then at the same time, only in America can you have a place like what you're talking about where there can be such a diverse culture yeah. in such a small area. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
That's true. You know, there's good and bad things about everything, but that's one of the things that maybe we've gotten right that I hope that we're able to hold on to as like a thing that we care about in our country is is acceptance, cultural acceptance. Well, if you're seeking it, I mean, those that seek it out do that. I mean, yeah. not, not just Los Angeles, but people that want that type of country and want that type of life go to those places that have it. So mm-hmm. you go or to go to Seattle or Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. Those are yeah. all those places have the type of people in it that want that type of yeah. world in that, you know. And if you don't, then you go to a 45-acre ranch in Montana and <laughs> sure. Um, which is its own culture in and of itself. Which is appealing to me right now to be honest. Yeah, I bet so, uh, man. So traveling, you know, traveling creates uh, connection, right? It can, traveling creates getting to know your friends a little bit better, and it creates this camaraderie like you and Ryan had and Kristen, right? Yeah. And I remember right. um, in kind of in a way that we sort of cemented that, I think, in our friend group was we uh, we took trips. Um, and, I, you know, I remember you talking about the turtles and the turtle eggs and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in a similar way, I remember when we used to go camping quite a bit. Yeah. All together. Uh, I think Ryan liked to play the role of the nature expert. For sure. Or the, yeah. or just the, um, the knowledge. The outdoorsman. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the how to guide book writer. Yeah. Uh, the Boy Scout. The Boy Scout, yeah. And so, or finding the place, which is, I've I've looked all over the countryside, and the place we're going to camp is the fish hatchery, because, <laughs> right, you know. Um, yeah. But that was really fun to do, too. I mean, those were, those were things I had never done before. Well, that's the, that's the cool thing about this technology of... The, the age that we're living in, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to find uh, like-minded individuals and and people that you can identify with, and yeah, it just become a group. It's, and beca- a part it's of. become easier. Yes, uh, and to- but along with it, it's all of these things are Pandora's box because yeah. then you could. You also have people who have malintent who can find one another mm-hmm. and yeah. group together. Yeah. And then you end up with shit like we had at the Capitol. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's a it's a double edged sword in a way that like a lot of people who have felt lost and lonely for so long finally were able to like connect with like minded individuals in a way that's beneficial for them and society as, as a whole. And then on the flip side, you have people who are like coming at it from the wrong reasons or negative or a, a hateful or a misunderstood or um, a place that is not beneficial and are still able to connect. And well, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird to be living in a time where you can see both at the same time. You know, that's what I was sort of having that. I was sort of having this conversation with Joy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she, you know, she was talking about how 
and I was trying to say we were talking about the the subject of people just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And she was talking yeah. about if you're not, you have to be able to acknowledge and listen to the other person's side of the story. Right. No matter what side you're on, it's all because of some in some way somebody feels they're not being um, belonging somewhere in some way. Right. Or not being heard yeah. or listened to. So. Well, it's one of those things, man, where the, the cream rises to the top in this sort mm, of mm-hmm. uh, medium, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Like people latch on to what's true and honest. And, and, qua- when, and when quality. And quality. And when, somebody, when people resonate with something, they, they share it or they really get into it. Yeah. And um, that's what I love about this medium of podcast mm-hmm. is it's, it's not just this shortcut, sweet bullshit, um, let me tell you what to think, how to think kind of medium. It is a long, complicated, nuanced conversation uh, but when you have somebody like Joy on who has an incredible story, who is a brilliant human being, a brilliant mind, and an influencer, and somebody who should be an influencer, mm-hmm. it's like people take notice and they're like, no, that that's the kind of person that we want as like leadership. Yeah. Like there's a there's a leader. Just listen to her. It's obvious. She doesn't have to mm-hmm. try. She just is one. She is a leader, yeah. And I, I want to get behind somebody like that. Right. What it is, I, I hope, is it's showing that the, the it's the showing the opposite of how our world has been conducted the past four or ten years, whatever. Yeah. Especially like literally our leader our leader for the past four years has led by these short little tweets that you yeah. they wrap everything up in one little and it and life isn't that simple. You have to have, mm-hmm. and that's what Joy was saying too. No. This right here, conversation, mm-hmm. it's complex. You have to talk for a few hours about a topic for it to to get an answer from it. Yeah, you have to think about it. So, yeah, that that's it's good. nuanced. Human beings are nuanced. We're complicated people. Mm-hmm. We're weird. You know. Yeah. There's, we we all have good and bad positive and negative things about each and one of us. We're all capable of being like the hero or the monster. That's yeah. inside of each and every one That's, of us. Uh, it's like Sirius Black and Harry Potter. There's light yeah, and dark in, in, in all of us. There is. Yeah. There is. Um, I, I do remember one story that we that was kind of, special to me was when you and I had to take a trip to DC because Sean had passed away. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but there's, there was interesting, some interesting times in that because we, we entered DC like at three or four in the morning or something. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did we go to like Lincoln Memorial? Yeah, I was asleep. In the middle I, of the night? I was asleep and I remember you waking me up. You're like, Fuzz, Fuzz, wake up. We're in DC. And I <laughs> I woke up and I was kind of groggy and I was like, nah, I don't want to wake up. But you're like, no, no, we got to go see this. And it was, we ended up parking and getting out and I was like so tired. But we went 
at least we went to the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. And it was so strange because there was not a soul on the street. Yeah. And there was nothing but one security guard that was kind of just roaming the... Yeah, we were able to actually kind of park kind of close, I remember. We parked right by it. Yeah. And there and we got right up next to the memorial and then I was a little bit worried about are we allowed to do this? And the security card just said, Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> and <laughs> and we went I remember just it was it was partly because I was in this dreamlike groggy state and then I wake up and I'm in DC. Um, yeah. but man, it was uh to to see the all the lights on that and to be in DC and kind of you know and you can also see everything around you you could probably see the Washington yeah. in the distance and, and everything else but National Mall yeah um and we were kind of quiet i remember we were just like in this reverence kind of spa- it was a meditative trip kind of like seeing some like wonder of the world it was uh yeah yeah that was that was a crazy part and then i guess we got in we got back to driving and then we had we were then something like we weren't uh we were supposed to go to their house but we were like exhausted so then we <laughs> then we popped up a tent like on a children's playground <laughs> <laughs> oh my god do you remember that Oh wow, I do now. Yeah, you're like, you're like gosh, crap. we gotta find some we gotta sleep somewhere. I got a tent in the back. Uh we're we're just like looking anywhere, <laughs> just anywhere to like put a tent together. And it was like uh like Holy a community crap. it was like a community playground, like next to a school, I think. I think it was at a school. I think it was a school playground. Amazing. I, I like my memory of this is so vague, but you're reminding me now. Yeah. I had probably I haven't and it was That's a holiday. Amazing. It was a holiday or it was a Saturday or something. So we felt like it would be okay. <laughs> so we put a tent there and then we went to sleep. And then like maybe an hour later, we hear this. What? Hey. <laughs> are, is there people in it? What are you guys doing? <laughs> and then we unzipped it and we're like, and you're, I remember you said, what's up, man? We're just, we're just sleeping. <laughs> And um, uh, I remember the guy laughing and saying, you can't sleep here. I think he even said, like, this is a school or something. And you're like, but they don't have a school today or something like that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Some smart ass. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah. And he's like, it doesn't matter. So we had, <laughs> right. you know, with our 30 minutes of sleep or whatever we had. It's we free country, man. <laughs> so we got our... We got the thing together and went on to their house. I think I remember that, but that was a that was a memory that I just remembered today. Actually, when I was jotting down. Wow. Some stuff. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what it, 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 it. I would not have been able to recall that memory. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember that. It makes so much sense, though. Yeah. It was very much that way. Yeah, and then we'd go. <laughs> we all would go to the climbing wall a lot, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that was we had our we had our like moments of things that we were obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Like climbing, that's what we're doing right now. We're climbing, skateboarding, skateboarding, uh, frisbeeing, frisbeeing, cold playing, watching yeah. cold play concerts, white water rafting. David Gray. Oh yeah, David Gray. Yeah, we had the, the frisbee Rufus thing. Rufus Wainwright. That was, that was oh yeah, Rufus Rainwright. 
uh, the frisbee thing that was a new thing for me. That was fun. Yeah, especially when it got kind yeah. of it was beginning to get dusk. Oh yeah, and you feel kind of great. Like, I had this this feeling like um, we weren't like this childhood uh, remnant of we're not supposed to be doing this. We ha- we're supposed to be going inside, but you know what? We're adults now, and we're gonna keep playing. Do what we want. Yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah. feeling, like uh, yeah. That it was kind of fun to just like let's keep playing, like let's do it because right. Why not? Two thirty in the morning. Right. Keep throwing a frisbee. Oh man! Then there was uh. Then there was that time that, oh, uh, pipes were a thing with Christian. Oh yeah, we were smoking pipes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and clove cigarettes. Like yeah, crazy. cloves. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when uh, I remember when Christian would come to my door and it was like three in the morning. And I was like, he's like, he's like, what are you doing, man? I was like, I'm sleeping. He's like, uh, you're gonna come smoke with me on the soccer field. <laughs> and so That's there, so I mean, of course, what am I gonna say? This dude comes up to you and wants to like spend one on one time with you, looking at the stars in the soccer field. Yeah, let's go. Let's I'm go. <laughs> I will. I will always remember that oh, memory because man. we went out there and we're like, and you know, Christian, he's like, Christian is uh. If you're with him, like you're the only person in his world at that moment. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I loved about him. And so he was like, How's your day going? How you doing? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He's the best. You know, we he and I reconnected the last couple of years. Yeah, we, well, I was down. Um, like, I was there when I when I was coming back from Europe. I, I met up with you guys. That's right. Yeah. And he had, Yeah, dude. And he's a dad now, which is unbelievable but speaking of that you're a dad too i'm a dad yeah um, oh man what's that like it is a it is a whirlwind it is a world changing amazing thing mm. it's dude it's so fascinating like uh, i because of the the circumstance of how she was born I was the first one of us to to meet her, and you know she was cesarean, so she had just come out, and they like called me back into the room. I was able to come in, and they were just cleaning her up, and like there's this weird, just instinctual thing that just triggers. It just goes off in your mind, and you're like, "That's mine. That's my flesh and blood." that's my responsibility Mm. and like just this like protective nature and love just is immediate and you just like looking at her and reaching down and like grabbing her hand and her just little fingers wrapping around my pinky you just are like wanting wanting to express to that little being that you got it you're gonna take care of it Mm. and like just tears running down my face just like so emotional that she's here and she's alive and all you want to do is just protect her and it's a I don't man she's just the most amazing little creature little being little thing little soul that like Ah, it, it's 
it's an amazing, beautiful thing that's hard to describe. Uh, like words don't really do it justice. It's kind of an ineffable um, thing. But when it when it happens, you're like, well, this is what everybody's been trying to say. This is what everybody's been trying to tell you about. It had and, to be there. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, I, I'm a member of the club now. I get it. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, you've... Uh... We've talked about how you you tend to kind of like test the boundaries of what life's about, and I think this yeah. is this is just another <laughs> this is just <laughs> another another, another way of you like well what's this you know like uh, just pushing things to the extreme yeah uh, and yeah. that's that's one of those you know I'm sure being becoming a dad is one of those like ultra life moments that you. Or sure at your is. extreme time, extreme uh, mo- moment, right? You're just pushing yeah. yourself out. Like it's an emotion that you didn't know you could feel. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's it's brilliant, and it's uh, it's unlike anything else. It's it's mm. weird because it's amazing and it's it's a it's amazing and it's a challenge and it's easy but difficult at the same time like and it changes your relationship that you have with with your wife or your significant other or your partner because for so long it's like just the two of you and you're like well we love each other so much like let's let's create a a a being that's created out of our love for one another and then they get here and you're like oh my gosh this is even more than i could have imagined Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and and then that changes the nature of your own relationship and uh it's it's beautiful and amazing in its own way but then it's also different and you're like well now the two of us are three and how do we navigate these waters and but you wouldn't change it for the world either it's it's like it's fascinating. It is just, it's just a fascinating, cool, unique experience. It's it's another trip that mm-hmm. is like new perspective, paradigm shifting thing about the, the way you view the world, you know, and just even in how you're able to empathize with other people and no longer like like have pity or sympathy like. No, you empathize with people that have children or more than one or that have children and are struggling or are going through a difficult time Mm. that I just was never able to connect with before. It's wild. It's wild. It's... uh... It, what it's it's interesting for me to hear because what it what it kind of uh makes me think about is um there's stuff that we know and then there's stuff that we know that we don't know you know yeah. you know there's stuff out there that like for instance I know that I don't know what it's like to be a dad that's an example right but I know it's attainable sure. right mm-hmm. but then there's also 
the wider circle of there's stuff out there that we don't know that we don't know. Mm. So there yeah. is, so what you're describing as like this immense joy and, and stuff you didn't know you could feel before. There's a level of thinking that kind of, uh, is interesting to think about that there's, that opens up this possibility that there's, there's things out there that we don't even know that we can know. Yeah. Or, or achieve or understand or, or experience experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. experience yeah yeah and that's kind experience of experience is a thing well and and coming coming from um we you know we were talking about my upbringing earlier mm-hmm. and ours was similar and growing up in in like a a religious sort of upbringing that had you know a, a doctrine a theology and understanding of the world that was taught to us um but then as you get older and step outside of that and start to experience different things and how even your world is is opened up so much more through all different kinds of trips be it a physical trip that you take uh to a different country or becoming a parent, that's a trip in and of itself, Mm -hmm. to even having maybe a psychedelic drug experience. And that's something for me that I, since we're on the topic of trips, that has been quite a paradigm shifting thing in my own life to have later on, it's not, you know, I was into like, things as a kid got into trouble in high school or whatever but you know i never really got into like experimenting with psychedelics or anything until later on in life and i had an experience have had some experiences that have really shaped the way that i think about the world now in in a way that i'm very much appreciative of and um I don't know if that's something you're interested in in talking about or curious about or yes or what. But <laughs> well, if you uh, look at my list here at the very top, it says salvia. Really? To- <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's very interesting because I was thinking about this recently. Salvia was the first like psychedelic experience that I ever had mm-hmm. that blew my world apart. Yeah, and I was un- I was unprepared for it. And having that experience was the thing that showed me that there is there is a wildly larger universe out there mm. than what I had previously thought there was. What I was just saying about things you don't know that are there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to share one of the experiences you had? Sure. Yeah. Um there's uh well salvia was the bit the was the crazy first one yeah. um i remember that one yeah i think that kind of teed me up or set me up for these experiences later on in life but um you know it's it's in, in the podcasting world maybe it's become cliche because of joe rogan or whatever but uh are you familiar with DMT or dimethyltryptamine? 
I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah. So I I had an experience with this um, a couple years ago that just blew my world wide open. And it, uh, you know, growing up in a religious household and then kind of becoming frustrated and cynical with religion and Christianity in general and turning my back on it and sort of like, you know, being a seeker of truth, you know, wherever it may be found and uh, shunning a lot of the like things that I had been like grown up with because I wanted to intentionally be different and then f coming full circle into having this experience with DMT weirdly enough brought me back spiritually mm. uh, to like uh, it's like I came full circle to a better understanding of maybe, uh, not a complete understanding, but a better like appreciation of the idea or the concept of not quite appropriate enough term to call it that maybe. Yeah. Um, there's something about these experiences that, um, is interesting because because a lot of people have the 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 similar experience and and one of the things that people have is a is a sense of connectedness to all things and realizing that you're a part of the whole mm. and um when i had this experience um it's like i was pulled out of my body completely I forgot this world. I forgot this body. I forgot this life. And it was as if you've been to Niagara Falls, right? No. You've not seen Niagara Falls? No, just on TV. Oh, man. I've it heard is. It's, yeah, I've heard it's amazing. It's insane. Yeah. You know, like, it's it, like, like looking I, at the Grand Canyon. Right. It's like the Grand Canyon. You can't. You, you can't, can't even take it all in, even in person. It, You're yeah. like, how is that much water? pouring over this thing mm -hmm. all the time. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's right. ins it's okay. like insane. Like, like what like the earth is gonna drain of water. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much water. Right. It's like it's insane. Right. So like I had all I have from this experience is metaphor. Um and even metaphor fails to appropriately describe what this mm -hmm. is like going on in my mind or my consciousness or my head or sure. I don't I don't know if it's a if it's an actual another realm or dimension I don't know man we can get all woo woo and weird about it but mm -hmm. um the metaphor that I have is, is it's as if I was an ant that was then just thrust into the middle of Niagara Falls and was suspended in the middle of the waterfall and everything coming over the waterfall was information, mathematics, geometry, uh, emotion, uh, color, sound, taste, shape, feeling all at the same time. And it was just so much all at once. It was, it was just, 
inability to capture any of it. Mm. And in the middle of it was this like um, voice. It maybe is the only thing I can describe, but it's not even a voice. It's almost like a telepathic um, communication of like this is mm. like this is the way th- like this is everything. Okay. Yeah. But even this is a part of the whole and there is so much here that you don't recognize and then like a sort of my mom was had been recently diagnosed with ms and so i was in this like headspace of like you know my mother like maybe having this condition or this disease that was for the first time like a realization that oh yeah like you know, my parents aren't going to be here forever. And, that, you know, this is maybe like the first thing with my mom and thinking about like, what was that going to be like when she passes away? And there was this sort of overwhelming sense of like, don't worry, this is what comes after. And um, I felt safe, mm. but my mind was blown at the same time. And slowly I was like being put back into my body and I was emotional about it because part of me did not want to leave. I wanted to know more. Like that's that's always kind of almost been the impetus of my life is like I want to know more. Yeah. Like I want to know the truth. Yeah. You get frustrated. Whatever. I, it yeah. Is. Yeah. 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 And and that's why like maybe I'm I'm willing to take these with these risks about certain things to, you know, just well I'll dive in and take a look, and um. came away from that experience with my with my mind blown and and um and you're forever changed from it seriously yeah yeah i hear that that's but what it, happens when people do these things they're they don't they're never the same they don't look yeah. at the world the same anymore and, and and you don't and and maybe that is like that's probably a big deterrent to people mhm maybe but I I would argue that it it's better. It's like people need to have that perspective shift. Um, but there's a danger, and I always kind of equate. I give this metaphor for psychedelics, kind of like getting in a helicopter. Like, um, say you're familiar with an area, say the downtown L.A. or downtown Charleston, like, you know how to get around in a car Mm -hmm. downtown, but maybe taking a psychedelic is like hopping in a helicopter and flying up above the city and seeing that from a new perspective. And you're able to say, oh, okay, well, like, well, well, that's that street and that's that street. And I would normally go this way to take it, but like, you can see, oh, well, this is what it looks like from this perspective. But if you get into that helicopter and you're afraid of heights and you're scared of heights and it's like making a bunch of noise and racket and stuff and you're distracted by all of the uh, craziness going on, then you might miss the perspective that is available to you if if you would just go with it. 
and allow it to show you um, maybe a new outlook. But then again, I it's not like the answer or anything either. Mm. You know, it's it's not the secret. Yeah, uh, it's not the one thing that's gonna like change your life forever for the better, and that's all you need to do. Like, no, it's just another 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 uh, viewpoint. Uh, is there it's any, almost a, uh, is there ever any fear involved? Do you ever feel like loss of control and? Um, sure, but the the secret to that, or the you know, embrace the, it. The 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 method to get through that is is to is to allow it and accept it. Yeah, I think and that would you, be my biggest hesitancy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Our natural thing is, as human beings is to want to be able to control the situation. And and whenever we get, right, right. we don't have control, that's when like anxiety takes over mm-hmm. and frustration or fear or, you know. But sort of, I mean, I understand like, I smoke weed and that's sort yeah. of what you're you're wanting out of that. But you know that sure. it's, it's, it's controlled in a way that you know what to expect. Right, you know that it'll end at some point. Yeah, well, there's, there's ways that you can. I mean, there's smart and dumb ways to go about <laughs> anything. You know, uh, do, do dealing with these tools. I, I mean, I do believe they're tools. Um, set mindset. You know, the mental state that you're in, and where you are physically, makes such a big difference. And, and like being prepared for it, knowing like what you're getting into, or even like having somebody that's like there or around to help you through it if things get difficult. But, um, I think they're, I think they're amazing tools for perspective and understanding, but then again, they're, they're not the answer either. I don't think. Um, what if there's no answer and maybe there's not right now yeah you know maybe we're all just here to learn a little bit at the time because who's who's to say what who's to say what really all of this is right we're just experiencing it from our perspective um i know it's getting late there yeah it's holy shit. Is it twelve forty two? It is. Oh my god. That's what Damn, happens when Buzz. you're having fun. I think this was kind of fun because it we just kind of talked rehashed kind of what our friendship means to us. Yeah. Um, I think if anything is good for the two of us. Yeah. Well that's what it's for. Yeah. It's um Yeah. That was what I hope that's why I made this whole thing. It was just a have a talk and re- and remember things. And I think a lot of the times, like just like uh, when you forgot about, um, what was it that you forgot about? The DC? The DC and trip? Camping? Oh, oh, the camping? Yeah. 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 Just like that kind of a thing. Like you just forget about things unless you hash them up again and bring them up again. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or wearing, you wearing, always wearing that damn sarong in the dorm room. Or <laughs> forget about that. 
I did love that sarong. Yeah. I even wore it to like the cafeteria sometimes. Oh, of course. <laughs> I have one uh, actually here. I wear it. during the summer. I wear it a lot here. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Holy yeah, because crap. there's no air conditioning. And oh man. Yeah, and so I've just adapted. Really, I mean, every time it gets to be like week five in really like hot conditions, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna buy an air conditioner, and then it cools down. Like, oh, oh never mind. Never mind. And it happens every year. Damn. But I could just get used to it, you know? So sometimes I wear nothing but the sarong because that's just like, you know, it's comfortable. Yeah, it makes sense in a in a like hot, humid climate with no AZ. Well, there's no humidity, but it's like, it's like right. living in a, it's like in a sauna or something. Yeah. With fans blowing and everything. Um. Well, uh, let's see. I think I have everything on my list. Good. Cover everything. All your questions. Yeah, I was gonna maybe talk about your writing a little bit, but that's that can go down a rabbit hole. Um, yeah. What about you? you have everything on your list? Yeah, man. I I think so. I was just. Yeah. Well, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was great talking to you. Yeah, man, you too. And uh, this was a great way to to like force ourselves to kind of really catch up. Uh, it's an amazing right. world we live in. Vera. It is, and uh, I am glad that you're in it with me. <laughs>